0: Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're very glad you're with us as we continue on in our study through the Old Testament. We're working through it a chapter at a time. And um, we just completed the book of Genesis. Remember, we spent uh, before that we did five years through the New Testament. So we proved that we can do it a chapter at a time. We worked through all of the books in the New Testament together. And now we're going to tackle the Old Testament, which is a little longer process from start to finish it should take us about 15 years but we're, we got one year down and uh, we're pressing along 14 to go six or seven from the time that we started and they kinda looked at me funny then and we're just plugging along so um, it's all good and then the plan is when we finish this up in 14 years we'll start over again <laughs> go another 20 and then uh, should be somebody else teaching at that point <laughs> that's my thought anyway so um, we just finished Genesis. Now we're moving into the book of Exodus. It's the next book in the first five books of the Bible. And uh, the first five books of the Bible, they're, they're called the Pentateuch or the Law or the books of Moses. Moses wrote them all. Um, we're now sort of catching up into Moses' lifetime. Most of Genesis was written. written uh, Genesis was written, you know, Moses wrote it, but he was recounting the story to the people of Israel of how things all came to be Uh, and um, he was the one that God used to record these first five books of the Bible. Uh, Exodus was written between 1440 and 1400 BC so 1400 and chunks of change years before Christ. Um, The word Exodus actually means departure and um, the the Exodus of the Israelites from Egypt marks uh, the end of a period of oppression for Abraham's descendants that we read about back in Genesis 15, and it's the beginning of a fulfillment promise, uh, a covenant promise to Abraham and his descendants um, that they would um, not only live in the Promised Land but would also multiply and become a great nation. So, way back in Genesis 12, that promise was made, and you remember the story now. The, um, what we learned in Genesis, all of the events that happened from Genesis 12 on and all, and, and you know, with uh, you know, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and then Joseph, and he was in Egypt, and the famine came, and he was the number two guy in Egypt, and you remember all those stories. And he brought Israel, um, you know, that was his dad's name, Jacob, also called Israel, brought the family to keep them safe. They came into Egypt. They were about 70 strong at that point and now 400 or so years later it's a nation of close to two million people the Israelites pretty significant multiplication taking place over that 400 year um, process and so now it's time for them to move into the promised land as they had been promised and um, uh, we're gonna see what happens to get them there and what takes place and what happens on the journey. The first 14 chapters or so are going to describe the oppression that uh, the Jewish people under under Pharaoh. Uh, Remember now this Pharaoh isn't the same Pharaoh that was good to Joseph and to Israel when they came in. That was the title of the ruler of Egypt. So they had different names but they were referred to as the Pharaoh. They get a new... So this Pharaoh some 400 years later he's not gonna like having uh, you know the the people of Israel there in in his country and he's gonna do a lot to try and keep them in subjection to him and um, and so for the first 14 chapters you're gonna see those sort of things happen the conditions how Moses comes up as deliverer we're gonna work through the plagues that are, are ushered in by God to get Pharaoh to release the people of Israel um, we're going to see the deliverance of the Israelites. The parting of the Red Sea is recorded for us in these books. The destruction of the Egyptian Egyptian army that takes place at that point in time as the sea collapses around them. Um, you know, you'll hear people try and say that the, that God never parted the sea for the Israelites. or They say it wasn't known as the Red Sea. They'll call it the Reed Sea. Um, and it was not a big deep thing. But then it just makes it harder for them to Sort of figure out how the entire Egyptian army was drowned in this little Reed Sea. Uh, so it doesn't make sense. So you'll see all these things happen. Um, we're going to see how God gives the people bread from heaven, um, water from a rock, victory uh, over people that would destroy them. Um, we're going to see that his law was written on tablets of stone um, by the presence, uh, on, you know, by his own hand. And, and uh, how throughout the book of Exodus, you're gonna see the people of Israel grumble and complain about God. And then in the very last part of the book, um, we're gonna look at the construction of the Ark of the Covenant, the plan for the tabernacle, and what it would begin to um, represent and how they would put it together and all sorts of rules and ideas and things are gonna get put in place. All of that happens here in the book of Exodus. The rabbis referred to the book of Exodus the book of names. Um, because it will open, as you'll see in a minute, with a list of names of the sons of Jacob, Israel, and who brought their families to Egypt to escape the famine. We just read about that. And how um, God will use Israel's experiences in Egypt to prepare them for the task that He gives them to accomplish on earth. Um, Bearing witness to the true and living God, um, writing the Holy Scriptures and bringing the Savior into the world. That's what's in store for the people of Israel. That's what they do. And... and, um, so it's a pretty um, big task that they have and and we'll watch that all sort of bear out in front of us. All right, let's dig into chapter 1 only 22 verses. we'll, We'll talk about it a little bit on the other side. I'm reading out of the New International Version. Whatever version you read along with is fine by me. The notes on the screen should be NIV and so should the ones on the paper. Exodus 1, 1. These are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob each with his family, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. The descendants of Jacob numbered 70 in all. Joseph was already in Egypt. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were fruitful and multiplied greatly and became exceedingly numerous so that the land was filled with them. Then a new king, who did not know about Joseph, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become much too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous, and if war breaks out, will join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, and they built Pithom, and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with hard labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their hard labor, the Egyptians used them ruthlessly. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose name were Shifra and Puah, when you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool if it's a boy, kill him but if it's a girl, let her live the midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do and they let the boys live then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them why have you done this? why have you let the boys live? and the midwives answered Pharaoh Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women they are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive so God was kind to the midwives and the people increased and became even more numerous and because the midwives feared God he gave them families of their own then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people every boy that is born you must throw into the Nile but let every girl live. blessed be the word of the Lord interesting way to get the book started Um, so let's kinda hop in Uh, first uh, seven verses or so Um, remember that you know, as, as when Joseph was the second ruler in Egypt, his family was uh, greatly respected and blessed. And then even after Joseph died, his memory was honored in the ways that the uh, Egyptians treated, uh, treated the Hebrews. Um, and God keeps His covenant promises to Abraham, blessing his descendants and causing them to multiply greatly. Um, by the time of the Exodus, there were more than 600,000 men who were 20 and older. That's how we sort of arrive at the Two million number. That was 600,000 men 20 and older. So that doesn't include women and children um, of all types. So pretty easy sort of estim- estimation that it was about two million people that um, are now in the people of Israel. Um, but the, the new pharaoh that comes in is not happy with the sort of rapid multiplication of the Jewish people. So he starts taking steps to try and control it somehow. He's afraid that if an army comes in to invade the people of Israel will side with an army and they'll just sort of wipe out who's ever coming in and then they're afraid that they'll leave and they don't want them to leave because they provide all the labor they're all the all the laborers are the the people of Israel the slaves that they have they do all the work they do it all and so they don't want these people to leave but they don't want them to get any larger than they are in number. so they try and sort of beat them into submission and wear them down in, in order to keep them sort of population controlled. And when that doesn't work, they're going to try and get the midwives to step in and do it. We'll see what happens for that in a minute. So, <clears throat> so there in, in verses 9 and 10, um, what you, just what I was talking about, um, Pharaoh um, starts taking steps to try and control things. Um, they, 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 the, the slave masters over them are specifically and purposely cruel to them. And, and um, uh, And this was their lot in life. And it was increasing in measure. And we'll watch when, you'll see, you probably know the story, but when Moses steps in to start trying to get them free, they actually get treated worse um, for a period of time. And uh, lots of different sort of jobs. The slaves held different jobs from skilled laborer to you know, um, not so skilled laborer, but these... uh, these slave masters worked tirelessly to make their lives miserable and, and uh, that was the way they were trying to keep you know Israel um, sort of knocked back. Now um, there's sometimes there's some differences about when the Exodus takes place and the, the reason is um, so I said that he writes the book of Exodus around between 1440 and 1400 BC there's a, there's a little hitch in that those two cities that they talked about um, were actually built in um, according to archaeologists in 1290 BC which you gotta do your math backwards which would actually be 150 years after Israel is said to have vacated the premises so how can you build cities if they're not there for 150 years um, and you, what we think happens is uh, a lot of times a pharaoh in making a name for himself would go into an already built city and would renovate it and then claim that he would built the city. And so we think that these cities were actually built um, back before the exodus and then the Pharaoh that was in charge 150 years later just went in there and fixed them up a little bit and then claimed responsibility for them at that point in time. But um, so they had been there for this time and the, and the Jewish people were responsible for building these cities and that gets us back in the the timeline um, that works um, with everything else that's happening in the process so uh, 1400 BC or so is when these events are taking place 1450 to 1400 BC and then we get into verse 12 and um, so they're mistreating them you know keeping them in slavery and, and the Hebrews kept they keep growing and they keep having more kids and, and so that you know it 's not working at all, so he summons in sort of the the supervisors of the midwives um, uh, Shifron pua and um he he calls them in and he starts telling the midwives to kill the babies uh, if they 're boys when they 're born, and let the girls live and uh, These two women completely via- violate pharaoh's orders, and they didn't they didn't kill the babies. And uh, they take a stand in that situation in verses 17 through 21. And that's a pretty significant deal. So now they have, the government is telling them to do one thing, and they feel like the law of God is telling them to do something else. And so they they don't do what Pharaoh has commanded. And then when he calls them on it, they lie about it. So that, So see, here's where, it's one of these situations where you, you go, well, it should, is it okay to lie? Because we're also told we shouldn't lie, right? So what's what really should happen there? How is that supposed to work out? What do you need to do? And so I would say this. Um, they did right. What they did was right. And we don't necessarily know that if they had told the truth to Pharaoh that God wouldn't have taken care of them anyway. That's where they they maybe could have done a little better however not blaming them because that's a pretty tight situation and we tend to get very clingy to the things we know and if if we think you know we've done right but we need to so this is where you can start sort of running into some issues with uh, how you're supposed to operate in this life I have found by and large that now as I'm 55 uh, it's much easier to just bear with whatever the consequence is and tell the truth <laughs> because it, the, the repercussions of not even those little twists get you in trouble. you guys figured that out pretty much? That, has anybody here ever told a non-truth? Don't tell me like this because you're just telling me run right then because I don't believe you. <laughs> and, and when we do it's we can sort of justify it right? And that's where it gets in trouble. And so what's the what's the line? Alright so and then I knew that that's my question so I have a verse for you out of the New Testament and then I have this little four-point checklist that that is really handy for these situations you should run things by you know we always talk here about living by doing the next right thing right it's my little four-point checklist for how to do that so the verse write this down is first Peter two seventeen. look this verse up later it's a very very helpful verse It says show proper respect to everyone Love the Brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Out of those four things, I think it's a very helpful list on, on how to do the next right thing in our lives. So the first thing that we should ask ourselves when we're making a hard decision about anything, or trying to justify something. A: Is it respectful? Is whatever we're about to do respectful? Does it does it show proper respect to everyone? Does it see the potential that, that people have? Does it treat people with respect? Is it is it the golden rule stuff that we talk about that we're to treat other people the way we want to be treated? Um, you know that's the process. And so, is what you're about to do. It's a great little test. Is this respectful of others? If it's not, you shouldn't do it. So if you so these are the so sort of the steps you go through, right? Second thing to ask yourself: Is it loving? Is it loving? says there, love the brotherhood of believers. We've, we've discussed that, you know, that our love for one another is our greatest witness in the world. Um, is what we're about to do loving? If you get serious with what that means, that will stop you from doing a lot of things. Because uh, a lot of times when we're trying to stretch the truth or justify a situation, um, it's usually got a lot of self in it, which is not necessarily loving. And so we need to press through that filter... And look at it. Third little thing: Is it godly? It says there to fear God. Is it God? And that you know, when it says fear God, it doesn't mean we're to be terrified of God. It means we're to be respectful of God. Is what we're about to do something that would please God? That's a pretty good test, right there. So you've you've had three pretty good filters already, right? Is it respectful of other people? Is it loving? is it is it godly is it something that you know God would be like going like this to and now you got to think about that right Is that a, gonna get a big okay from or not so much last is it legal is it legal honor the king um, we talk about this all the time you know how we rationalize and, and you know rationalize is just telling rational lies right that's what we do so is is what you're about to do legal? Now, listen. At this point, is the thing too? Not just your opinion on the matter. Is it actually legal or not? This one has gotten me over the course of time in living in the Keys in trouble time and time again, because I've, and I'm on. I'm, I don't even care. I have f- figured, as a homeowner and a, as a different thing at different times, that what I want to do is my business, and I shouldn't have to get permission to do certain things. And I have determined that that's not a good way to live, as that has caught me time after time after time. So now I just say, what is it? So what's the what is it I'm supposed to do? I'm going to do everything you want me to do. I'm not, I don't because I can't handle the fallout of not doing what's right. You know, the now it's been six or eight years when I we needed more parking and I couldn't get, and so I just ripped all the trees out of the back here when big piece of equipment. (laughs) I said, hey, just take it all out, and we threw in some parking spots and we did it on a Saturday. Right? That's how you how you think you're going to get away with stuff. And, uh, and then I got a letter in the mail two weeks later certified from the county. They weren't very happy about that particular maneuver. And I was, I was really mad. And then I thought about it and I prayed about it. And I called up and I said, I was absolutely wrong in doing that. How do I make it right? And ever since, I don't want to do that stuff. I just, what do you want me to do? I want to do that. Because it, it's, you sit there and get worried about that stuff. And you start going over and over. again. Just tell me what it is I need to do. I want to do that and, and uh, I live in a place now where there's quite a few rules and uh, I just go in from the beginning people say how do you feel about the rules I don't just tell me what they are and I'll do them I don't want to fight them anymore just whatever you want so I say all that though to say this because this is the test now just because something is legal doesn't mean that it's godly and that one trumps everything that's why you got to run through that one first is it godly because there's a lot of things that are legal that aren't godly and what's going on here now when I when I bring that one up it's because of that whole situation with Pharaoh Pharaoh said that's what you're supposed to do he made it legal but it wasn't godly so they said no we're not gonna do that now lying about it that's more of a selfish thing in in thinking that whatever but um, but they did the right thing and God honored the fact that they did the right thing in sparing the lives Of the children, Um, God's right and wrongs always trump man's right and wrong. So, so just kind of use that as a process and and, uh, see what happens, and then you know learn from stuff and just try and do it better. Like I said, I've, I've, uh, I've hopefully learned my stuff over time because I I don't want to have to go back and (laughs) say I'm sorry to the county anymore. I'm really sorry. They were really great to work with. All this is on tape, so let me say the experience was much better than I thought it was going to be and uh, <laughs> and after we moved past the threatening letters everything was good and we fixed it and now we're, everybody's happy three years of being inspected then everybody was happy it's all good I had to I had to prove I was trustworthy again and that's okay that's good I don't mind that so anyway uh, I got way off track there at the end but you uh, you're now in the book of Exodus And we're going to watch this journey, and it's a fascinating journey of what happens and and, uh, how the people move out of, finally, out of Egypt and start moving towards the promised land on this journey. And you'll see, too, a journey that really should have been over in about a week and a half takes them 40 years because they they rebel. So lots of stuff has to happen. They kind of do circles until they get there. All right, pretty interesting stuff. We'll pick it up from there next week. Um, If you can, read ahead so you sort of get familiar. And uh, we'll see you soon.